Happy spring! Welcome to More Than Athletes Live. I'm your co-host, Colleen Flaherty, certified strength and conditioning specialist and creator of quite a lot. This show is live, so call us at 347-989-1286 or join the live chat to ask us your questions or to simply chat with us and hang out. We'd love to hear from you. Um, The purpose of this show is to empower athletes, parents, and coaches to make better holistic choices for everybody. And the reason I got on this path is because I tore both my ACLs as a teenager, as a soccer player, and it really devastated me. Um, As an already sensitive young person in the world, I was trying to establish my sense of identity and independence and confidence, and I was a one-sport gal. I just played soccer. All my friends did, you know, other stuff and other sports, but um, soccer was where I, like, felt my best. I was – I feel like I was a very good player and athlete, and so when that was taken away from me, I – you know, broke in more ways than I could comprehend as a young person. And, you know, without that safe and supportive guidance from an adult, um, it took me a while, probably until like my mid-20s to start the healing process from that. And so now as a 28-year-old, I have this, you know, this incredible experience in the process to really help athletes who are not only injured, but to help athletes who are healthy, you know, not get injured and just be their brightest most amazing selves on their journey um, in life without, you know, fears and, um, you know, all the other things that come along with being a teenage athlete. Um, So at Awakened Athlete, we support coaches and parents and the athletes so that everyone is thriving in sport and in life. And you can find more about it at awakenedathlete.co. So first and foremost, I want to introduce my lovely co-host, Sierra Weiss, who is a creative art therapist, and she is a very open, kind, humorous woman who helps to balance my experiences of sport and coaching with the emotional and mental expertise um, that she sees in her practice as an art therapist. Um, her passion for helping kids really shines through in these conversations. If you're an active listener, you know what I'm talking about. And it becomes more clear every episode that we are just as invested in educating parents and coaches as much as we are empowering kids. And adults, you play a huge role in the lives of these young children. So please listen deeply every week, um, especially to this episode, um, because we're going to dive into some amazing stuff. So from young kids to college athletes, art therapy, in my opinion, is one of the greatest stress relievers um, of all time, and it brings clarity that is so invaluable. But I'll let Sierra tell us a little bit more about herself and her story. Um, So take it away, Sierra. Thank you, Colleen. Thanks for the intro. You are very lovely yourself. I return the compliments to you. (laughs) Thank you. Um, You're welcome. So, yes, um, I love working with teenagers for pretty much the same reasons that that you do, Colleen. I, um, myself, when I was younger, I didn't realize it until I was older, but I was, you know, having all kinds of feelings that I wasn't really processing, that I wasn't um, fully aware of. I was kind of aware that I 
didn't feel good or content or happy most of the time and maybe the the main feeling that I um, was aware of was a sort of bitterness or frustration or anger with others and that kind of stuff. Um, and as I went through college and I learned more about emotional processing and self-awareness and um, sort of being in tune with oneself and one's thoughts and emotions and expressing them in a way that resolves certain inner conflicts and that type of um, work, I realized, geez, you know, if I had learned this stuff sooner, I think that I probably would have felt so in such a state of suffering for such a long period of time because it wasn't until, you know, my my mid-20s that that started to kind of lift a little bit as I started learning more about this stuff and and, uh, doing the work myself. So I, that's my kind of, my aim with what I do is to pass on what I learned um, later in life to people that are younger than me so maybe they can learn it at a younger age and it can serve to benefit them sooner uh, and aid in their development sooner and progress and all that so they can kind of live their life more fully um, right now as I wish uh, could have been the case for me even though I I don't regret anything because that was my path and that was my journey but the sooner I think people can learn this stuff then the better off you just feel in general. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's pretty much it. And then I just, you know, met met you, Colleen, and we kind of have, um, we have different sort of, uh, our, we come in at different angles, but we have the same goal. So that's what's really cool, I think. And um, together we kind of encompass the physical, emotional, spiritual, psychological, um, and, you know, I you you have a better grasp on sort of the physical stuff and how that in, is an, interplays with the emotional and, and psychological, and um, I have a good grasp of psychological processes, and I can kind of bring that to the table um, and broaden this perspective of the physical yeah. thing. So. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Yes, you you definitely do it. (laughs) (laughs) And if anybody is interested in, you know, uh, seeking therapy for their uh, their their child or their teenager um, for themselves, I work with parents as well. uh, Then you can find me on PsychologyToday.com. Sierra Weiss, and I am, you know, I practice in the Rochester area. So, so there's that. Beautiful. And I just want to clarify, when you were talking and you kept saying, um, you said it twice, if, if, if I had known this stuff when I was a teenager or, like, I'm, you know, I want to educate kids of today on this stuff, like, what did you mean by that? I think I was just referring, referencing what, um, the type of learning that I was engaged in um, later in life, which was, you know, just about self-awareness and 
emotional processing kind of I I kind of referenced it but then I was then I said stuff in place of it after that so um I understand what you're saying yeah just um I think there's a lot to it so it'll be hard for me to in, you know to be specific so that's why I kind of am saying generally emotional processing uh being aware you know fo- being in tune with one's thoughts their feelings um self reflection and uh and also educating oneself on psychological processes and and then applying them to oneself and trying to to learn about oneself because I think what a lot of people don't realize is that our brains are fan, like fantastic um organs that do a great job of protecting us from pain as our bodies do and just like our bodies have their their mechanisms for just, um, protecting us from pain our our brains do as well and 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 it protects us from emotional pain so that can come in the form of denial or all kinds of defense mechanisms so if we can kind of tune into when we're feeling defensive or any of that stuff then we can really um, learn so much about ourselves and grow as individuals so that uh, we're able to regulate our emotions more readily and maybe we don't get upset so easily and it's not because we're repressing our emotions or suppressing them it's because things don't affect us to such a degree that they do when we're not fully self-aware. Right, right. I wish I had known about, like, dealing with anger and disappointment when I was an athlete. (laughs) Yeah. I would have, like, had a better handle on, like, my swear words and (laughs) my aggression um, if I would have been in that educated state. Um, Awesome. Yeah, and I think, like, we we address a lot of... Swearing is okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I think we address a lot of that, you know, that broad spectrum of stuff here on this show. And we talk about all those things that you mentioned to some degree or the other. So um, I think we we are trying very hard to get this to the parents and the the athletes. So, like, we want to. So today, I, you know, I went off of... The, your idea and the effectiveness of empathy. And I thought it would be a good starting point, Sierra, if we talked about what the difference between empathy and sympathy were, because I don't know okay. if everyone knows that difference. Okay, yeah, that's um, that's a great thing to start off with, I think. So which would you prefer me to start what sympathy is or what empathy is? I dictionary.com'd it to get, like, the official <laughs> definition. Oh. Let's see if I'm right. Let's see if I'm right. You tell me if I'm right. Okay. Because I'm just, right, I'm I'm just going by you. kind of, I'm just winging it here. Um, okay. Sympathy is, like, um, where you can understand that something is sad or um, upsetting for somebody else. And you kind of, you feel bad for them. Like you feel, you know, sorry that maybe they're going through something difficult. Um, and But empathy is more like you actually can put yourself 
in the other person's shoes in a way. You can your 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 ability to relate is like you can almost you can imagine yourself in a similar situation <laughs> because you can um relate it to maybe something in your life like if someone lost um uh, somebody really close you can think about somebody you're really close to and you can then start imagining what it would be like to lose them. So you can really actually feel the feelings that they're feeling rather than just kind of like feeling feeling bad that they're feeling sad, I guess, in a way. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and my uh, my boyfriend likes to watch cartoons. <laughs> and uh, I think it was Adventure Time, had, uh, which now I'm glad he likes to watch cartoons because he learned about empathy. They had like a little rhyme. It was like, empathy, empathy, put yourself in the place of me. <laughs> so oh, perfect. He learned about empathy from one of those cartoons. Isn't that cute? That is cute. Adventure Time is awesome, by the way. So it is. It is. That's a really good cartoon, actually. Um. Yeah. And so you were spot on, and good job. Thanks. And I think like the biggest thing is like for empathy, it's like your capacity to understand what the other person is experiencing. Just like you said, like you are able to like feel what they're feeling from a place of like. Um, you know, like you've known that feeling before, and you can you can relate to them on that on that level. Yeah, um, you're enough. Where, you can actually, like, yeah. Yeah. Whereas, like sympathy, I just think of like uh, sending a sympathy card. Like you're like, eh, sorry that you feel bad. You know, sorry that you're sick. Yeah. But yeah, here's the card. Um, and so, you know, why is this important to, you know, people that deal with athletes and for young kids? Um, you know, I'm going to come from this conversation, like, from an athlete and a coach um, for a lot of, like, my examples. But why don't you start us off with, um, you know, when someone's experiencing that emotional distress, you know, what happens to their ability to problem solve, um because they're, you know, they're upset about something. So let's say yeah, like an so, athlete is upset because they missed at the the winning goal or they scored on themselves and they lost the game for them t- their team. Mm-hmm. So if that happens, and so then what? Then the after the game, the kid's really upset, and the let's go with the parent. Okay, the parent is taking the kid home, and the kid is just kind of like upset in whatever way they get upset. Maybe they shut down. Maybe he or she um, is angry, you know, with themselves or they end up, you know, blaming others, whatever it is, you know, they're just in the state of um, feeling just really upset. And typically, um, I think just in general, when somebody else is upset and especially if it's someone we care about, we want them to not be upset anymore. We just, like, you know, want them to feel better. So um, that's great intention and everything like that. Um, However, we tend to approach it in a way that only makes the person either stay upset or get more upset. Um, And that's because so what we what we do is we come from like kind of fixing it. We want to fix it rather than feel it. Um, so what might what might do you think some typical responses be 
uh, for a parent to to say to their kid if their kid's upset about having missed the winning goal? Um, I mean, it could range anywhere from like while well, you your body wasn't in the right position for you to score that goal or you should have been in a different place or, um, you know, it was the goalie had a great save. Um, I don't know, you should have kicked it harder or to the corner, you know. You could pick out every little thing that they probably did wrong and critique right. them on it. Or even, or you had a bad assist, so maybe it was somebody else's fault. You know, like right. maybe that's where they go with it. Um, so if they're not sort of criticizing the kid, or 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 you know, best case, you know, of the fixing it approach would be, um, well, that's okay. You know, that's okay. You, you know, uh, everybody makes mistakes, or you know, trying to sort of look on the bright side, or um, yeah, minimize minimize the the kid thinks it's a really big deal and you try to kind of make it seem like it's it's not such a big deal, right? Mm-hmm. So that might be another kind of typical response from a parent. Um, oh yeah. And that, like, well, we can we can go through all those responses, but so if it's if it's a if the parent responds with sort of like um, a solution focused kind of like, well, if you had done this or um, you know, if you did this wrong, whatever, you know, kind of a more of like what they could have done to prevent um, the the thing that they didn't want to happen happening, um, then the kid feels like they are a failure, which then just makes them feel worse. So it's like, I feel bad, and now you're criticized. Like, I'm already being hard on myself, and now you're being hard on me too, so how yeah. how does that somebody feel better, right? That's just gonna um, kind of reinforce the feeling that they're already feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if they, if a parent, um, let's see, blames somebody else, then they are they end up dismissing how the like kind of this not not actually seeing how the kid's feeling about themselves. So you're you're not focusing on how the kid's feeling. You're uh, actually feeling about themselves. You're just focusing on um, what somebody else did. So that doesn't really feel any better either. Mm-hmm. And then if you do the whole, like, uh, either minimizing okay. or, yeah, mm-hmm. making trying to make them feel better about it by making it like it's not a big deal, then you're saying, like, to the kid that their feelings are, what their kid's hearing you say is that their feelings are wrong and they shouldn't really be that upset, which just makes somebody more upset, right? It's like when Mm -hmm. you're mad and someone's like, calm down, it's like more mad because someone told you to calm down. Um, Right. So those are all well and good. Those are the three. Yeah. And, but they just... Um, keep somebody in a state of distress, basically. And you know this. You'll know this. Like, you know if what you're saying or doing is wrong. It, usually, like, we think we're saying the right thing to a kid, and they they stay upset or they get more upset, and we think, like, you know, what it, you know, what's 
their problem where we end up kind of thinking they're just being a kind of a pain in the butt or dramatic or whatever it is. Um, but really, like, we're doing something wrong, and they're letting us know that with their with their reaction, which might um, them, you know, just, like, looking out the window and not engaging with you. Maybe they're just, like, not saying anything back. Uh, maybe they're getting more mad. Maybe creating now an argument with you. Um, all just kind of not anything productive or constructive is coming from it. So that's how you know mm-hmm. that your your response isn't helping. Um, so this is a long explanation. So what you <laughs> what you want to do is you want them to you want them to get to a state of like being able to be solution focused and moving forward. So if a mistake was made, they're able to see it and be like learning something from this experience um, or or just learning something from the experience in general and just moving on and having it help their game in the future. That's what you, that's what we want, right? Aside from them wanting them yeah. to feel better. And somebody can't, you can't, when you, in your brain you're either like, if you're in a state of emotional distress, you cannot, you cannot just shift into like logic, reasoning. Um, they're just, they one either one's in the driver's seat or the other is. Um, so the person first needs to calm. They need to calm down. They need to their distress needs to find some relief before they can problem solve and mm-hmm. and be reasonable and logical and even or even be receptive to another person's reasoning and logic. Mm-hmm. And a lot of research has been done on like mirroring, which to me is the same thing as empathy. It's where you you validate the person's feelings. That immediately kind of brings a sense of relief usually if you can kind of capture how the how the person is feeling. And you'll know you do that because the kid will be nodding. They'll be like, yeah, yeah. Maybe they'll cry a little bit because there will be a release there. They're able to release the emotion instead of, you know, it, they're they're trying to express it, but it's hitting up against a wall, so it's bouncing back into them, and they have to find a way to contain it themselves. Um, and they just are holding on to it. So if you act like a mirror and you, you say, oh, you know, that's just so disappointing that must be it must have been so disappointing for you um you probably feel like maybe you feel like you let down the whole team or maybe you you feel like um you know you just try to capture whatever the kid is feeling in that moment and try what to they're saying yeah you can even just if you're having a hard time like feeling what they're feeling or imagining how they feel just say back to them what they're saying um, mm-hmm. so they know that you're listening and that you're you're at least trying to just hear them and listen to their feelings and hear what they're saying mm-hmm. um, and that will that will create a, a you know uh, the idea that like I 
I'm being understood. And when we feel understood, then our state of distress immediately kind of decreases a bit. It comes down in intensity. Yeah. And I mean, like, I think every athlete listening, like young or adult, can totally relate to being in this, like, very emotional, like, state of mind during an athletic event or after um, any, like, any type of competition. And, you know, something might have not gone your way. The ref might have made a bad call. Um, And, like, you are heated and you want to, like, I don't know, just yell or cry or, you know, just do something because you're just in this distress. And I remember as an athlete, like, there was no logical processing within, like, 30 minutes of (laughs) games ending or, like, practice ending because I just – you know, if it was, it didn't go my way, I was all amped up about it. And I, you know, I got in that car. I didn't want to talk to my parents about it because I couldn't logically reason, you know, I, mm-hmm. I had, I had no words except for like how I felt. So I can totally um, put myself in back in that time when something happened and, my, you know, my parents tried to talk with me about it, and I really, I remember, I remember, like, being argumentative or getting up more upset or, you know, just just not saying anything because it wasn't worth it mm-hmm. at that point. Um, yeah. And and it's, it's hard as, um, it's hard when you're in that spot and you're so emotional that even as, like, a teenager, like a 15, 16-year-old, like, I know how to speak. I have language skills, but when you're just in that that present moment of yourself there's just no no way to get around um logically you know trying to get an answer out of me that will make sense because I'm I'm all caught up in it yeah so what do you think could have well I guess what I'm trying to ask is you know because I'm I'm not trying to like I don't want to like put your parents on blast because I'm just it's just like every other it's like what every other parent does though it's like if your kid gets in the car and they're all like amped up and they're all upset and you try to ask them a question and you know you're not uh reflect you're not you're not actually asking trying to ask them about how they feel you're asking a sort of a I don't know some kind of like a play analysis type of question or something Mm -hmm. like that even if it's like yeah. even if you're asking your kid how do you feel like how do you feel about how the game went or something like that, depending on what the kid predicts the parents like typical response will be if they tell them how they think the game went like then you might not like you like you might not give them an answer, you just don't want to talk about it right because you right. you kind of you already know that you don't want to hear it you don't want you don't want their their typical reaction, which might be advice or trying to yeah. tell you, like, that you shouldn't feel that way or, you know, it's like mm-hmm. if, you, if you're in your car and you're, like, pissed off, and your parents are going to be like, whoa, and they, they don't want you to be pissed off. So they try to, like, do all these things so that you're not, rather than being like, geez, you know, you're pretty you're pretty upset and you want to tell us why and um, what's up. And, and then maybe you could say, oh, yeah, that rest and made that call and what a, you know, a hole or whatever, and uh, so, and then your parents would be like, "Watch the language," and that's not very, you know, like 
who knows what kind of, you know, parent response might be, but, like, yeah. maybe they would say, well, that's the rest job or, you know, something like that. But what you really want to hear is, like, oh, so you're really mad you think the ref made um, an unfair call and then that swayed the game in the opposite team's um, favor and that's really frustrating, huh? And then you can might then you might be able to calm down a little bit and be like, yeah. Um, and then you might, Absolutely. you know, if you keep doing, if somebody keeps doing that, you might get to a place where like, yeah, but you want your the kid to get to the place where they can say for themselves, it is a rough mm-hmm. job and it's hard for them to see every, it's hard for them to see every play clearly and maybe they didn't, you know what I mean? That kind of where you can get a different, you shift your perspective on the whole uh, scenario. So, so right. that's the sort of the purpose there. Yeah. Um, and like, you know. and yeah, and Mama and Papa Flaherty, they, they, I mean, they would ask me and, like, give their opinion and things like that, and I think a lot of times, I mean, we've talked about this on previous episodes, like, I was super hard on myself, so I didn't want anyone else's input, I just wanted to be in my, in myself, and, like, that, that was, you know, I didn't want to talk about it, and it's, you know, I didn't want to hear your opinion of it, and I—I I mean, I think that I would have been a totally different conversation if they would have gotten on my level with empathy, um, and that would have been a whole different experience. And you know what? Maybe they did at some points, and I'm just forgetting about it. Like they totally could have, and it was so many years ago, and I have the worst memory ever. So <laughs> yeah, they, they could have been I mean, trying to, you know. Could, absolutely, they totally could have. So I'm not saying they never did. I'm just. You know, I'm just remembering those times when I stood in the back of my of the suburban and um, going going to that place um, for this conversation. Um, but I I think that just especially for young kids, for adults to maybe step outside their own comfort zone to show more empathy um, is like a really big step because you know, maybe they're, they fear that they're going to, like, mess it up. <laughs> like, you know, trying what you just suggested, like, saying, um, you know, mirroring back to their kids or, um, you know, maybe no one's ever done this for them, so they're uncomfortable with it. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like breaking this cycle and stepping stepping up to try this and try something new and see how it goes over, Um you know, with your kids, and if you're going to, you're going to make a mistake, it's going to happen, but, you know, like you said, your kid's going to let you know when you're, you're not helping the situation. Yeah, and like you said, maybe they're not, that's not something they ever do, but if you have ever, um, hopefully there's some, you know, uh, situation in your life where you can think of having been empathic or empathetic. I was I'm not sure which one which word to use, um, but towards somebody, and, and it's probably like maybe your friend, your best friend, somebody that's more of like a a peer or a colleague. That's the that's how you want to approach your kid when they're upset initially. You want to approach them as a friend, and that, I think that's hard for parents to wrap their mind around because it's like, no, I'm not their friend. I'm their parent, you know, and this is my role. And I'm here to, you know, kind of guide them and teach them, help them learn life lessons and stuff like that. But, you know, you're going to make it a lot harder on yourself. You're going to make it a lot harder on yourself 
if you don't give empathy first. You can you can switch into parent role once they've calmed down, but if you if you just come at them as as a parent right off the bat, you're you're making things a lot harder for yourself. You know, you're you're not gonna they're not gonna be it's not a teachable moment. It's just not, you know, until right. until they're until they've calmed down. So I really I love that. Like that's really simple for parents to remember. Like come at them from that like friend standpoint. So like how would you like how would you as an adult approach your friend? Um you know, what you're saying is that, um, you know, that heart space that you're trying to tap into when you're trying to talk to your kids. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, okay. absolutely. Yes. And, it's, um, you know, it's a bad, you, you don't, you, obviously you're not trying to be your kid's friend all the time, but in those moments when they're upset, that's that's when you want to, that's when it is good to kind of come from more of a friend-type standpoint. And so on top of that, the, you know how parents say, oh, my kid can talk to me about anything. They can always come to me about anything. And you might say that, and you might say that to your kid, but your kid might not feel like that's the case. Or they might, might not think that you are somebody they can come talk to or ask certain questions of because they know that the reaction will be one that makes them feel bad or like they're... Mm-hmm wrong or doing something wrong or they're going to get in trouble. So um, if you really want that to be true, that your kids can come talk to you about anything and they do, then you're going to want to, you're going to really want to try out this empathy thing. And I remember um, a woman in my group that I lead um, for women entrepreneurs, she came in and she was talking about a situation with her teenage son and it was about um, using of a substance and that they as a family didn't approve of. And um, she said for the first time in like all 17 years of having children that she didn't like overreact and flip out. And, um, and it led to like a much more fulfilling and deep conversation because she her reaction wasn't that um you know normal pattern for her of how she would have like reacted to him saying something or coming you know them finding a him having something behind their backs like you know whatever it was and i think you're um, we can all relate to when we were younger kids and what we did or didn't tell our parents for fear of what that reaction would be. Um, and I just want to point that out to parents and coaches. You have to, there's like, you, um, like you said, if you want to create that that open communication and like for real have them communicate everything to you, it has to be you know, your reactions can't be, like, off the chain and ridiculous if you, every time, <laughs> because then your kids, you know, they're going to be scared or, you know, not going to feel comfortable um, having mm-hmm. those conversations. Um, yeah. So, you know, what's hide, the best... going to hide what they're doing even more, so, yeah. because... So obviously, you know, like, what's the, somebody one time was like, okay. they're, they're obviously, you know, distressed about whatever it is that's going on, and they don't necessarily think it's 
a good thing. Maybe, maybe, maybe they do, maybe they don't, but if you have that kind of a reaction um, that makes them want to, like, run away, uh, then mm-hmm. they're just going to, and they're just going to run to their their comfort, which is the very thing that you're yelling at them about, probably, you know? Right. Yeah, and so what, you know, what's your advice, because you work with parents a lot more than I do, you know, what's your advice for when kids come and talk to you about stuff? And not just, like, bad stuff, but, like, you know, things that are serious in their lives and, um, you know, they're trying to explore, you know, is it this, like, neutral stance? Like, is it not laughing or not yelling? Like, you know, like, what is that, what is that, like, what does that look like, I guess? Yeah. So that makes sense. The two, I think, if we wanted to kind of simplify it and get it down to basics, you know, for what people, for something people can remember, um, and rather than kind of detailed explanation on my part, that would be hard for somebody to remember. It could be overwhelming to think, like, to remember to do all this stuff. But basically, mm-hmm. you want to either, you want to reflect back to them what they're saying to you, so they know that you understand, and then you want to pose questions, open-ended questions, um, and not questions that are, like, passive-aggressively judgmental, like, do you really think that's the right thing to do kind of questions? <laughs> you know, not, like, those mm-hmm. kind of questions, but, like, but just curious questions, like, um, well, so how are you, how are you feeling when your friend said that, like, how did you, how did you respond? What did you say? Um, how did you, you know, um, what did you think about that? You know, at your, what you're doing is trying to help them self-reflect. So if you, you know, because when you're younger, you're a kid, you don't really, you don't really self-reflect. You just kind of act. You have your, your impulses and you do stuff and you, right. you don't think there's much meaning behind it. So, if we have another person in front of us who can ask us questions that later on when you're when you're adults you you might tend more to ask yourself about um something that happened then you are you're helping them learn that process of self reflection and and then they might be able to um think for themselves whether that you know what they're do if if what they're doing feels right or if they feel good about it or not, that kind of a thing. So basically, mm-hmm. you know, you're just, just reflection and then, like, questions, cur- curiosity questions that you really want your kid to be asking themselves, but you're you're kind of, you're being that, that voice in their yeah. head for them. Well, I ask because a lot of parents get really crazy, you know, intense during their kids' sporting events. And and then if they're the coach or the assistant coach, you know, they're so into it and everyone's really into it. And some parents, you know, take it further than others. Um, but, you know, as the adult in this situation, you can't, you know, go into a conversation with your kid and be, you know, they're going to say one thing and you're going to go, you know, total, you know, off the um off your rocker and you know get really into it with them like you have to help them be that that neutral you know have that understanding and um coming from that place of empathy um 
Because I've seen yeah, parents do some crazy things. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to, like, match your kids. I don't know if this is what you're saying, but, like, if your kid's angry, you don't want to, like, yeah. match their anger. You don't want to be like, yeah, that was so, like, messed up and be like, you're mad at them. Because then you're just both escalating each other. You don't want to. Right. You don't want to do that. You don't want to, like, you're or if somebody's scared. You don't want to be like, yeah, that's really scary. Like, I don't know, you know, what to do. You don't want to, like, you know, you know that's not, not that kind of, that's a different kind of mirroring, right. I guess. And, um, and, where that's yeah, more about your even own feelings. Like, you know. Oh, totally. And, you yeah. know, kids come off and they're heated and, like, they might say one thing and, like, it sets the adult off or it sets the coach off and the coach starts yelling, um, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just, like, a big old mess. So, I guess you know, a adults need to realize that it's just a game <laughs> a lot of times and B, they need to realize that it's their job to be there in this empathetic way for their kid. Yeah. Which brings so us them to kind of brings us to the article that you, you shared, um yeah. I think a kind of Last a good week. segue into that uh that article which what do you what do you think that the or that article was trying to say that article was basically covering this whole conversation that we're having mm-hmm. about parents coming from this place of love and you know i think we in sports we really lose a lot of the fun factor that these organized sports are organized sports because our kids need outlets of activity and exercise and being together with a team if they're on a team sport or learning discipline, um, of learning a craft, um, you know, all these really important things that athletics do for our youth. And so much of us get caught up in the competitive nature of it I mean, I just went to a coaching clinic yesterday, and we talked about how there shouldn't be leagues and competitive games for kids until they're, like, 10 years old because there's no point because they're just learning skills at that age. There's not mm-hmm. – they can't they can't in their brains, like, developmentally understand how to play team sports well, like, before that. Um So you're basically just putting them out there and they're playing beehive soccer because that's where they are at developmentally. Like, they all want the ball. It's their ball. Um, They want to have it. They're possessive of it. And, like, you know, it's, it's, I don't know, it's just a very interesting concept and it's an interesting world that we live in with these, with sports right now. And this, this uh, article that we're speaking about, it really just, like, from a parent's point of view, just being in, like, awe of your kid and being like, whoa, that's my little human out there, like, swimming in a pool or throwing a lacrosse ball or throwing a baseball or kicking a soccer ball. Like, they are running around, having fun, you know, wherever they're at, and um, I love them for that, for being them and just being this, like, cute little thing. Um mm-hmm. And at the end where she, um, the woman of the, that wrote the article, you know, she told her daughter that she loved to watch her swim. 
um, I think, right, swimming? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and so, like, just that sentence of I love to watch you play or I love to watch you run or I love to watch you, you know, swing the bat, you know, whatever it is that your kid is doing, just coming at them with this sense of, like, pride for all that they did out there um, and what that would, what that does to the kid, you touched on, if you want to talk about that a little bit. Like, what does that do for that little kid to hear that? Well, the woman in the article, when she said that to her kid, her she said her kid just kind of breathed a sigh of relief um, and, like, rest her head, you know, against her and was just like, ah, oh, you know, because I think kids ultimately just want to make their parents proud and they feel like a lot of times, especially when a parent um, talks about the performance of whatever mm-hmm. the kid is doing and the ins and outs of it, feels like that's what matters to the parent is like how well I performed. So yeah. it's like a huge weight off your shoulders if your parent just says, I loved watching you swim. I just loved watching you doing that. And they don't even mention how well you or how not well you did Um because right. the kid, you know, ultimately the kid's going to put enough, you know, if they, they get into the competitive side of the sport, then they're going to be putting that pressure on themselves. And, you know, ultimately we want a kid to do a sport because they enjoy doing it. Um, mm-hmm. And then the competition then the competition and wanting to do it really well comes comes later if it's really something they really excel at. But, you know, for, for, the, for these youth, and you've said this so many times, I mean, Chances are you're not going to be a professional athlete. So really you, what we need to focus on is the benefits of being um, engaged in a sport and the, the the self-esteem it builds. And so when your parent talks about your performance, um, it makes you feel like you have to perform really well in order to make your parent proud. And then so mm-hmm. – you know, God forbid that doesn't happen, then that impacts your self-esteem. And even if your kid is on a path of maybe continuing on the sport, if their self-esteem is diminished as a result of engaging in that sport, long-term results are they're they're not going to continue on in that sport. They're going to get right. they're going to feel they're going to feel like uh, not good about it at some point and and stop doing it. Um, and it could even just be sports altogether, especially when a parent is like yeah. super high pressure about performance, mm-hmm. then, then, then a kid tends to just say, forget it altogether. It's too, it's too much, you know. Well, I thought it was fun at first, and now it really sucks. <laughs> so Yeah, and I that goes back to um, so, like, perfectly back into what Brenda and I talked about in our two um, conversations that we had about, you know, focusing on your performance is like that, that end result. You know, when parents and coaches do that, it's not focusing on the journey of being an athlete. Like, I love to watch you swim is that's the, like, process and that's what's happening, you know, in the moment. Whereas when you comment on the performance or the play or the mistake, um, you know, that is that product that, you know, we we work so hard for during that time period, Um and but it's but it's not all the end all be all. Um, yeah. 
And when and yeah, kids already know. Obviously, if they're athletes, they already know that there's pressure to keep up with everybody else and perform at their best, or you know, run as fast as everybody. And um, when someone just comments on, you know, how much they they love to watch them just be, and you, we wrote in here like, I'm enough, and that that validation of just you as a being is enough. Yeah. Like the fact that right. you didn't win or you scored the goal, like that doesn't matter. Like just you as a person are good yeah. enough. Right, right. And just yeah. Like if you feel like your your parents um is just uh loving watching you doing something you love to do that feels that just feels so good, but if they're just so focused on your performance, you feel like that they don't really care about you as a person. They just care about how well you perform. And Right. Um, oh, I love that. And, you know, you might it might seem kind of counterintuitive. It's like, well, I want my kid to be successful. I want them to perform well in life, so I feel like I need to, um, you know, give them criticism and feedback. But... Um. Yeah, is it's not necessary because not your job. Like, <laughs> no, you're you're impacting their self-esteem, and then if you have low self-esteem, yeah. you're just not gonna you're not gonna perform well in life. You're not you're gonna you're gonna have a lot of setbacks. So if yeah. you can, you're if, you're really priming your kid to feel good about themselves and build confidence, so that they they want to put themselves out there and try things and risk failure and try again. You know. Yeah. And it's not the parent's job to coach their children. It's the coach's right. job, <laughs> coming from a coach. Um, right. But, yeah, and this ties into this stat I gave in the episode info that a survey was sent out to 200,000 youth soccer players about why they didn't join, like, the current season. They played last season, but they didn't join the current one. And their number one answers was it wasn't fun anymore. The second most popular answer was the coach. They quit because of the coach. And then the third reason was they quit because of their parents. And guess who made it no fun anymore? The coaches and the parents. Uh-huh. <laughs> so it's like, what are we doing to kids? It's like a ridiculous dropout rate from athletics. It's like, I don't know, 50 up to 50% of kids that start sports, like drop out of them because they just aren't fun anymore. And that's the pressure yeah that we put on them as adults and right. coaches, like, um, in the ways that we have been. So, taught, you know, moving into this shift of coming from, you know, being in the process and coming from empathy and being able to have these, like, feeling-based conversations, um, you know, with our kids as coaches and parents are, you know, it's uncomfortable for us if we've never done it before as adults, but it's something that's going to be so rewarding and pay off big time long term because um, your kids are going to want to talk to you about stuff um, and ask you more questions and, um, you know, just be themselves more, you know. Yeah. I think it's so hard to with athletics to, like, keep that in mind because it's, you know, a blatantly physical activity so to bring emotions into it seems kind of strange i think like you know you can you can probably it's it's easier to understand it's like if you're talking about your kid having a hard time with a friend or 
more social kind of stuff, but when it's sports, um, I think, and I think that's why this is such a great conversation to have because I think it's the last thing on people's minds sometimes is like how somebody has feeling and the feelings they get from playing sports and all and all that and all that you know, which is like most kind of important part really. But because it's just all you know, physical activity and actions that you can see and observe and um, make comments on the actions that a lot of times I think it just gets totally overlooked. Yeah, and I don't think that we um, we don't do a good job, like, educating coaches on how to be, you know, set the tone for empathy because they're the ones that are going to be talking to the parents about, you know, like, what they expect and giving them, you know, support um, when talking to their athletes. And um, so I'm all for, like, more coach education. Like, the more education you can get as a coach, the better because, it only makes you more well-rounded and, like, we aren't expert. you know, most coaches are parents. So, um, yeah, being able no, to step can... outside, what? Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, you finished. Being oh, able I was to step outside, really, like, step outside your parent cap and put on your coaching cap must be really difficult for parents to do. Um you know me i don't have i don't have a kid on the team so i'm totally objective and you know i'm not don't have that relationship with any of the kids um but you you, you know you need to learn to some degree how to how to speak with kids and how to support them um so if you're a coach listening you know go take some coaching courses because it benefits you and then in in the end it benefits the kids Right, or at the very least, watch some of those documentaries about some of the greatest coaches of all time. You know, some of the most successful yeah. coaches, and you'll totally. I mean, it'll be it'll jump right at you. The the connection they build with their the relationships they build with their players, the emotional connection they have with them, the ability to relate, all of that stuff to be able to to, to emphasize with them um, mm-hmm. while still while still being a coach, and uh, you know, it's just. It's so apparent. So, and there's oh, yeah. luckily in our, in our day and age, there's lots of those kinds of uh, biographies out there about about uh, coaches, great, great, really great coaches. Yep, I totally agree. And that's what you always think of when you think of like great coaches is that you know those um, bullet points that you said. So, how can we learn and replicate it, even if it's at you know nine year old girls? <laughs> you know, it's not, you know, it's not a D1 college and it's not a professional team, but it's there's still other little humans and other people that you're trying to connect with and talk with and lead. So, yeah. Awesome. Anything else to wrap us up in the last five minutes? I don't think so. I think I'm all tapped out on this topic right now. <laughs> you did great. Oh, so did you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, well, if any of our listeners have any questions for us or any future topic ideas, we would love to hear from you. You can submit them at the awakenedathlete.co website. But other than that, we hope that you enjoyed learning more about empathy and how to best relate to your athletes. Um, and I want to thank Sierra for joining me again. And I hope that everyone has a fantastic um, first full week of spring. Yeah, indeed.